Hey, this is Gerds Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Welcome to another episode of The Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Handel and today I want to share with you somebody who is helping people to really understand their astrological charts. Brad Williams is the founder of North Noding Consulting, which helps people to align with their ultimate soul purpose. He's an astrological counsellor and works with individuals, groups and businesses of all sizes to help them to open the door to whatever is holding them back. Hi Brad, I'm so grateful to have you on the show and thank you for joining us today. Hi, I'm very happy to be here. Oh bless you. I just want to share what your life, like when I when we've just been talking now, it, just hearing what you're talking about is so fascinating, but I want to go back to what your life was like before you became an astrological counsellor. Gosh, do we have hours upon hours to talk today? Um, Go for it. <laughs> so if I, had a, if I had a book, it would be called The Thinking Man's Dreamer. Wow. Um, for the Enneagram folks out there, I'm a five-winged four. And depending on what day it is, sometimes that four can definitely be a more predominant factor in my existence. Um, feeling so much, but also in my head so much. And so growing up in an environment in which... I was raised by my grandparents who were the epitome of the divine feminine and the divine masculine, but also being around a whole lot of chaos. Um, My life was really structured in a way to one, um, teach myself survival, you know, the coping mechanisms that we all develop in early childhood. And sometimes when things aren't going our way to, help us get along with life. And then also at the same time to have a beautiful example of two people that existed in a place where the words divine feminine and divine masculine never came out of their mouth, but they were it. Mm -hmm. And so what led me to astrology uh, in the late nineties, I've been practicing for 25 years now, um, was just the simple fact that I was lost. Um, found spirituality and religion um, and a Christian bent, Um, had questions around that because I'm from Virginia Beach and the Association for Research and Enlightenment is there along with Edgar Cayce. And so there were a lot of questions I had within the fundamental ideals around Christianity. And I love all religions at this point in time, but back then I just had questions. And one of those questions was, when did the prophet stop? And uh, my preacher at the time, his name is Jerry Barber, gave me three words that freed me from pretty much everything. He said, there's three words that can never get you in trouble. And it's, I don't know. (laughs) So that allowed me just to kind of start to research the history of the faith I believed in at the time and go down this whole road and not to belabor this, but <laughs> keep going. But the book that really opened the door to really look into other things was the Celestine Prophecy. Um, and that book, it just came out back in the late 90s. And I was like, oh my gosh, so many of these things in here I feel, I see, I've experienced. And, you know, maybe as a child, it was Star Wars and Yoda that was sort of guiding that. But then I started to have words for it, you know, energy, you know, psychic mm-hmm. sensitivity, 
intuition, like all these kind of things. And so as that started to unfold, I let go of the dogmatic grip of the religious path that I was on and embraced a more fluid and spiritual path without boundaries. Mm-hmm. But interesting enough, later on, I've created some boundaries, um, which were needed, <laughs> but at the time I'm, I needed to kind of destroy them all to sort of experience lots of different ways of life that would unfold for me later to lead me to being a professional astrologer in 2008. Um, and also many other things that maybe we can get into more detail uh, later. Wow. It's just so fascinating with what you're saying. Like, I totally understand where you're coming from. I grew up in a religious background as well. I'm Sikh. So my parents, mm. we, like, we went to the temple every Sunday, but it was like, I, like you said, I always had questions like, why do we do this? What's the reason behind it? But it never made sense. And, you know, I'd sit there and meditate, but I'd be looking around the room going, why am I doing this? And so as I got older, I kind of distanced myself. And, you know, we have, you know, life happens, you get angry, you get angry with god and you know (laughs) how things happen (laughs) and then i went on this deep journey from within when i was 25 so that was about gosh 11 years ago and my heart just broke open and i remember it's just like it's time to heal and then suddenly like you said like the boundaries when i had like i just went to go find myself i tried so many different things in spirituality i i ended up doing loads of trauma work not realizing that would end up becoming my profession i'm now a trauma coach so it's amazing what when things happen like it's it it all happens in divine timing and like now like yourself like I've learned how how to have boundaries but the boundaries before were so different to how they are now now it feels right and it feels aligned whereas before it was what we were told to and how to behave and how to think and how to act those kind of boundaries came from that kind of I guess place of fear when I look back it wasn't a place of love the boundaries and so yeah I think it's amazing that you were able to step out of it and find who you truly are and who you were meant to be and what you're here to share in the world. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still on that journey. I mean, it's been several incarnations since the late nineties. I'm on my third marriage and predominantly and fundamentally in my chart, you know, relationship patterning uh, is definitely the lessons of my wholeness. And, Mm -hmm. uh, And it's definitely coming from a karmic past life perspective of of the feminine. You know, there's no doubt that uh, whatever incarnation that I am um, working on from the perspective of my chart this lifetime comes, I was a female. Um, Mm. And my wife, now Lauren, she was a male. Um, There's just no doubt about it. Uh, Whether I am interpreting the charts or just many of my psychic, you know, colleagues and people telling me that there is a a certain uh, femininity to me in a way that is uh, presented um, within the framework of what I'm learning in this lifetime and also really learning about masculinity and learning Mm. the virtues of it. Um, And so so thankful I had my grandfather um, who was just this divine Pisces who gave off the strength of masculinity and its virtues um, without the demanding, you know, sort of egotistical, shadowy side of masculinity. And I got a lot of that from my friends and other, you know, my parents and stuff like that. But uh, it, it's been so important to understand through the astrological lens, uh, um, that relationship patterning and learning to not be loved for my utility, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of my female clients, um, I've helped through understanding that from my own lens, um, because you know, in so many ways, 
Uh, the feminine is about the nurturer, you know, and that can fall into so many ways, codependency. And so that's been a lot of my kind of growth in this lifetime is to be a good Virgo <laughs> with a cancer moon and be helpful, uh, but not do it because I want somebody to love me. Mm. And that's where I'm at in my final relationship, which I feel very strongly about. Um, and uh, we have a very good rapport in our ability to have disagreement. Um, Lauren and I were just at Necker Island, um, which is, you know, Richard Branson Island, and we were there for Forming Impact. And, and Richard asked us, you know, what do we feel is the, the, the thing most needed to, for a long-term relationship? And I sort of jokingly, but seriously said, being able to fight well, <laughs> um, mm. because from my past experiences and not really fight, but just be able to have disagreement, um, respectful disagreement, um, because in looking at your chart in a little bit of a way we can get into later, uh, <laughs> compromise is not your avenue of success. Um, <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so it's for you in so many ways, uh, compromise pleases nobody. Uh, you're really learning uh, the essence of your North Node in Aries, uh, which is very masculine. Um, but yeah. getting back, I lose track of what I was saying. Um, it's it's just, it's been really important to understand the the idea around what relationship patterning is with me and currently in the relationship that I'm in that I don't have to be a doormat. I don't have to say, mm -hmm. you know, I'll do everything for you only to become bitter, you know, because mm -hmm. in, in many ways and being the hard headed man that I can be um, in past relationships, I could say I would do things for them that they never even asked for. So maybe I'm a better listener now, you know, mm -hmm. what did you ask for? And maybe Lauren and, you know, in her growth through her own relationship, patterning actually knows how to ask specifically what she wants. Um, and so that has led to us at this middle age part of our life to have a relationship that is tremendously beautiful and growth centered and not always easy, but at the same time, just, you know, magical in its complexity and also simplicity. I love that you're showing this because I think a lot of people don't realize that we all have masculine and feminine energy. However, it's learning what's the healthy side of both because we we can either have wounded masculine, wounded feminine, or we can have both wounded. Um, but the key is to find the health the healthy side of both of them. And just like what you're saying, like I grew up, you know, you've got to tough enough, you've got to be, a, you know, like a guy in a man's world. And I used to be a journalist, and oh, like <laughs> I look back at that journey, it's like yuck. And so I was like this alpha female, and and I look back, I'm like that was never me. And I didn't know how to soften myself because I grew up in a very tough environment. We get on with things. You know, my parents are Indian, so it's the whole immigrant mentality when they come here. Uh, whereas my mom's is very soft and gentle. She's got cancer in her sign. Um, very soft woman, but very strong. So again, yeah. it was always about toughening up with hard workers. And so when I started to to heal that wound it was just like wow these emotions would come out of nowhere and be like what's wrong with me and I had to learn how to balance <laughs> that and you know I felt so much guilt yeah. crying because I, I grew up and a lot of women and a lot of men as well actually have been taught you know crying is is weak but actually crying is strength you know the fact that you're able to release your emotions and get it out of your body is so powerful 
you know, that's when we set ourselves free. That's when we allow our inner child to to come back home to itself. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, with what you're saying, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with having that that feminine side in, in guys, because I think we need that gentleness in all of us. You know, when we have that gentleness, we're able to speak our truth. It's the power of speaking it and like asking for what we want as well. But with the feminine energy, it's also about um, boundaries. Feminine, mm-hmm. feminine energy is actually about boundaries. It's not masculine that has boundaries. It's the feminine side. But also the feminine side is expression, creativity, birthing things, whereas the masculine is more about taking action and getting out there and being more assertive. Yeah, and in so many ways, too, that when we look at astrology, we both have a Mars and we both have a Venus, no matter who we are, no matter what we identify with, none of that matters when we look at the chart and know that within the balance of the chart, what is afflicted in our Mars, which is masculine, what is afflicted in our Venus, but also what are the strengths coming out of those? And so I'll spend some time, you know, not always directly talking about you know, that specifically, but looking at sometimes if somebody such as yourself has a Mars in the 12th house, sometimes it's very difficult within your masculine faculties to understand the power of you. You know, you also have a Scorpio Mercury conjunct Pluto, and there's so much power within you that's driven through a masculine lens that it can sometimes, you know, maybe scare you with all that power. And so maybe some of the work that we would be doing together would be, you know, embracing more of that um, power and understanding that power in and of itself is not bad. It's only when it's tyrannical is when it's bad. Yeah. Because in the, in the sense of what power really is within the essence of our truth, it is the foundation of our spirit and our destiny. And so for you in this lifetime, having the Aries and North Node, it is the ability of understanding that you can be alone. You know, you can be by yourself. You can not have to, uh, you know, depend on the validation of another lover, you know, looking at you and making you feel whole in that way, which might have been part of what had happened in a previous incarnation within you. Basically, you know, hallucinatory loss of self into another person being overly identified by that person with the South node and Libra conjunct the Mars, but being on the male side of that, you know, because so many times, you know, we look at it history and we can read our romantic novels, which I adore (laughs) um, or romantic comedies and all of that. And we have, you know, the, the guy, you know, who is, you know, has, you know, virtues and of itself, but sort of, you know, putting those aside for an unavailable lover and that kind of thing. And so, you know, it kind of goes both, both ways on that. When it, we look at sort of romantic, uh, if you want to call it tragedies in our, you know, myths that we've written over the years, we would be more predominantly famous for women, but there are still plenty of men out there that have <laughs> been trampled upon, upon the, uh, the wake of, you know, the siren of Ulysses was sort of metaphorical of that, you know, men being enraptured by women and their grace and their beauty and losing sight of their own self for Mm. call it lust if you want to wow this is so fascinating because I this year left a long-term relationship and that is exactly the reason why I left is what you've said is is yeah it was I kind of almost lost my identity in the process of who I was and I I knew myself beforehand but then somehow with this relationship over the years it just I didn't know who I was anymore. And I guess I almost like rebirthed a new me. And so 
yeah, it, it really is about being more with myself and feeling freer and just allowing yeah, and myself. So sorry to interrupt, oh, but it's, okay. it's also for you in so many ways, like like allowing yourself to be angry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like giving yeah. yourself permission for that. Because yeah. your default mechanism is to come back to a sense of equilibrium and balance. So you might be the first to say sorry. Um, and really, it's not your place to say sorry. And mm. uh, but yeah, the North Node in Aries is a tricky one um, because you're learning uh, what Stephen Forrest coined as enlightened selfishness, you know? Ooh. And uh, and so, yeah, it's, and, you know, and Aries is, is the first sign it's birth and if you mm -hmm. think about birth you know if you've you know given birth yourself or you know I, i've been in two <laughs> birthing experiences so one that's 22 now and one that's eight 19 months and it's fire you know screaming and intensity and like just the beauty of birth and that's what aries is it's this intense untamed fire of coming into existence and mm. it's also the warrior archetype, you know, that warrior archetype is being able to defend itself, you know, and sometimes you have to be able to defend yourself, you know, it's like, there's, there's people out there trying to harm you. Yeah. And if you're always trying to compromise with those people, then you get nowhere, but trampled over. And so sometimes in this lifetime, that's what you're learning is, is going towards that masculine spiritual warrior archetype. And you know, and, and many times when I have a client that has a, an Aries North node or say the Scorpio energy that you have with the Mercury and Pluto, I'm going to recommend them, you know, do jujitsu or do some sort of martial art or Tai Chi or some sort of, you know, <laughs> movement that is not creating a stasis, but actually generating energy. Uh, in a way that can make you more, what's the word, um, assertive. Mm. This is fascinating. Honestly, this is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I, again, like with the whole anger thing you were saying, I grew up not being allowed to be angry because mm, within my culture. Yeah. So I suppressed it. And then when, I guess, when my heart opened it when I was 25, that anger <laughs> came out. It was just, it was rage. Everyone got the rage. It was, it was yes. awful and it was toxic. But that's okay. That's okay. That's <laughs> but it's okay. okay. Yeah. Cause it's it was, okay. it, it was years of repression. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Well, but that, that's the thing. And that's, you know, when, when we look at, you know, we're, we're born into this life and we have our South node mm -hmm. and we have, uh, you know, some karma to heal, or maybe mm -hmm. there was a skip step or something. And so the first 30 years of life is redeveloping in our current form, similar patterning around that karma. So the first 30 years of life is about ego identification and how the world sees us, which develops the thing that we have to heal from. And so if we can look at that first 30 years and be like, oh, shit, that was hard. That sucked. But then we don't have to punish ourselves for it because it mm -hmm. gave us the opportunity to heal from the stuff that we're healing from as we go from 30 to 60. And these are yeah. wrapped around our, our Saturn returns, um, which happens every 29 and a half years. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. And so there's, there's, there's a, uh, there's different demarcation points that happen around seven or eight years old, 14, 15, 21, 22, and then 28 through 30. And so it's a Saturn square, a Saturn opposition, another Saturn square, and then the Saturn return. 
And this so- is crazy. Sorry, I just want to say this is crazy because when I was about to turn 30, I actually had a kidney operation. And that mm. was the point where I had to learn to surrender, come back into my my feminine energy. And like you said, be kinder to myself. And it's not, it's okay, you know, to be angry. It's okay to take space. It's okay to speak your truth. And so like now yeah. I'm I'm coming up to my 36th year. And you're right. Everything what you're saying right now is so true. Like I've learned it's okay to be angry, speak your truth, but you're right. Again, I don't always have to be the first to apologize. Um, but I didn't know that there was like what you've just said now, like it's a 20 year, 20, 29 and a half year Saturn return, which is fascinating. Yeah. And so what you're coming up on is the repeat of the Saturn square that happened at seven or eight years old. And the neat thing is, is that before seven, we're our most authentic self. Mm. And we're learning from zero to seven how around seven or eight years old, we start to realize that the world is bigger than just our family and our home. And that's when our family really starts to influence us to a certain degree around you know, what we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do. We become more conscious of that. It's also a time when we maybe might not consciously remember it, but we start to understand that our parents are not the gods that we've made them out to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, and seriously, I mean, I've got well, four kids, there's two and then two stepkids, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how, as they become teenagers and they start telling you to F off that, (laughs) (laughs) that at one point in time, they could never stop being around you. Mm. Um, But the seven or eight year old Mark is definitely a time frame in which at 36, 37, we start to really dive into letting go of the patterning that restricted is there. And again, this all comes back to our karma too. Um, And so maybe there is something that happened when you were seven or eight that caused you to, you know, like so many people, especially with a chart like yours that has tons of creativity and that kind of thing. And maybe you're like this little, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be like this, this person that, you know, and again, you're doing podcasting. So that's, that's part of, you know, (laughs) what the chart suggests. But there's so much more to what you were interested in at that age. If you can go back and remember that, it's going to give you some insight into discharging whatever restrictions there are going forward. And then there's going to be another one in the early 40s. And that's the Saturn opposition that you had at 14, 15. And that's when we really deal with a lot of our mother karma mm. um, and, uh, and really pushing back. It's interesting because, you know, at 14, 15 years old, and I, we have a 14 year old here. He, you know, they think they can take on the world and do whatever they want, but in reality, in hindsight, they just know enough. They don't know enough to really go out to the world. Mm. And so somebody that might be reacting to that in their early forties, you know, just say the guy leaves his wife and goes and buys the, you know, the Ashton Martin, I'll use a reference of UK, Um, excuse me, And, and instead of really working on, you know, what they were trying to free themselves from at 14 because 14 is about excuse me okay. 14 is about uh our peers and our peers are really influencing us and then around 21 22 is when society starts to really get its hold on us because we're at that college graduating age or mm-hmm. the time when we start to feel the pressure what we're supposed to do and then we pick something such as myself i picked computers mm-hmm. um because i was good at it but i was never passionate about it and uh, and so in, in so many ways, we can look at these different areas. And I've been you know doing talks and talking to different entrepreneurs of, 
about hiring processes of people in this age range and what to look for and also what to help out in regards to uh, people that you really love and enjoy and having uh, and how to nurture that at certain points. But that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to go back to one thing. And then I do want to ask you about that, how you're helping individuals and groups in their businesses through astrology. Um it's so interesting to saying about the age of seven because yeah I, I I remember a lot about my past I remember everything from even when I was two like like pockets of things but seven was when I wanted to be heard and understood so there's no surprise mm. that I now have a podcast I used to have a radio show I love writing writing is just it gives me power in the sense of freedom and writing is actually what saved my life when I was 25 years old I wrote my life story out in seven hours I wrote 30 pages yeah. and saw all my patterns and conditionings so writing is what helps me to flourish and be free and be more connected back to myself totally and it's very interesting because i mean for a long time there i mean there was a lot of comparison for you and your intellect hmm. um, and one of the big things that you would do is self-comparison to people maybe not say it out loud and feel inferior but at the same time if somebody said that you were dumb it would really piss you off and so yeah. like it's so like there, like there's this tug of war with you and finding, you know, like the imposter syndrome and that kind of thing and battling that. Um, but at the same time, there is a very deliberate conservative, let's call it perspective when, when it comes to you sitting down and writing and putting something out there that is, you know, when we think about the virtues of conservatism, it's hard work and duty. Right. Mm. And so, and so when you get to those places, Places in which you're dutiful or you put in hard work, mm -hmm. that's the area in which you're the most powerful because what you're getting out of that is your sense of self-worth and it's being manifested into the material world. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very, very interesting. I, I cannot overstate how powerful you are. Um, and I think that maybe you need to hear that to a certain degree, but at the same time, it makes you feel icky. So I'm oh, no, I embrace it now. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a um, long time. Um, yeah, a lot and, of people have told me that over the years, but I didn't believe it, but it's because I didn't know my own power at that time. And I think I was afraid of it being a woman, but also being a woman as color. I was always restricted, but even what you're saying about the comparison is like, I'm not really one to c compare in general, but what because of like my upbringing and, you know, you have comparisons of parents and other people's kids, you know, it sometimes would get me angry if they would compare me to so-and-so's child. But it was more to do with, for me in my industry, when I was a journalist, was that it didn't matter how much I showed and um, how much work I produced. It was like, I was never good enough. But it was yeah. actually not about me. It was, it sounds awful now I understand it, but it was to do with the color of my skin at the time. But I didn't understand it and I didn't want to accept that. I was like, no, 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 it must be my work. No, 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 there must be something else. It was only till I left that industry that I realized how powerful I was. Totally. And also at the same time, it, it's not, I, I, it, let's call it this. Yeah. There are certain wounds in your chart that come from the place of communication. Mm. Um, your Chiron, which represents our wounds in the chart, um, <laughs> is in Gemini in the ninth house. And so you also have a very strong third house with the, the Saturn and the Uranus there and the, the Neptune. And there are there is an opposition with the Chiron and the Uranus there. And so it's interesting 
that while you were led into a direction of discovering the racial dynamic of why you weren't getting somewhere, it was also important for you to understand that that wasn't necessarily your place anyways. Yes. Yes. So, so being a journalist and doing what a good journalist would do, (laughs) which is going out and exposing corruption and, you know, the truth of certain ways, but getting both perspectives, which we seem to have a hard time finding these days when it comes to our mainstream journalism, it's more, (laughs) more narrative than, you know, both sides of a, but anyway, I digress. But you see, that's what I saw. That's that's when yeah. I started to see the unraveling of that it wasn't true. And what I thought growing up was factual was not really factual. So yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> and so ultimately, it, it's when it comes to healing Chiron wounds, it is it's it's kind of a paradox because Chiron and, and mythology could not heal himself, but it could heal others. Oh. And so you're not necessarily going to want to say, okay, here's my Chiron and Gemini in the ninth house. Let me go help heal others. But the way that you help heal others is just by doing the work that you are here to do and being an unconscious example of that for others. And it will help others heal. Oh, it's, oh, and so it's not, (laughs) it's not an altruistic kind of thing. It's not a, oh, well, let me go to the soup kitchen because it's the right thing to do. It is, I have to overcome these wounds and yeah, there's going to be frameworks of different things. And also understanding that the Mars that you have in the 12th house is just a very difficult place to have Mars and understanding what is true about your anger and what isn't true about your anger. Hmm. And so you have to be really careful of moving the goalpost when you are angry and somebody comes at you with some things that didn't relate around the emotion of that anger. Hmm. It's a very interesting thing for people that have Mars in the 12th house that they do is that they can be so mad <laughs> that they might lose sight of the actual reason why they're mad. It's, it's obvious projection. Yeah. And so the 12th house is Pisces. It's ethereal. It's mysticism. Now you throw anger into that. And what do you have? You have a misunderstanding. Mm. And so before you react, and again, we've talked about this earlier on um, in this chat about you making sure that you can put out your anger. And and this is why I was suggesting martial arts Yeah, is because sometimes the anger that you're feeling isn't necessarily true Mm. and knowing that with the mars in the 12th house can help you really guide you to where if you have an outlet through some sort of physical activity you know banging a hammer on a nail building something that's another way you know it can (laughs) be so many different like you know getting a punching bag you know again divine (laughs) divine spiritual warrior archetype Sorry, Karen. And so with that, you'll understand that Mars in the 12th house more from a divine perspective instead of more of a humanistic reactionary perspective. It's a really, it's a, it's a conundrum um, Mm. because, you know, when you're not living through a very emotional kind of anger, then your intuitive qualities are off the chart and 
you can be more assertive with that and less, oh, I don't know if I should say that because I could be wrong. Mm. And so that's the battle within, within this Mars direction of, mm. of what you're trying to, to work through and, and understanding the, the ramifications of how your anger got the best of you in a previous incarnation. This lifetime, it's been hard for you to use it because you feel that and then rebalancing that through the lens of divine spiritual warrior archetype. This is just fascinating because my surname actually means warrior. So it's like double warrior energy within me, but also I I have flashbacks from past lives where I've been a warrior. Yeah. So I, I see it sometimes. I'm like, oh God, this is this is nuts, but I, I've embraced yeah. it more now. Um, but yeah, I do definitely reflect on my anger now more than I probably did a decade ago. And, and I sometimes sit there and go, was that really necessary? Was that a bit was I was I overthinking that? So I, I do sit there and reflect now and think, okay, yeah, maybe I needed to calm down. Um, and I did used to do gymnastics as a child for a long time. Ooh, that's and, good. Yeah, yeah, that used to ground me a lot. So I'm, I'm trying to get back into it. I try doing yoga and you know lots of other things. The tai Chi has has been on my list, <laughs> so I will try yeah. that. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I want to go back to how are you helping people through astrology within their life, their businesses, and their relationships. Well, it's the last few years, um, I have found myself more and more moving into um, a direction of working with entrepreneurs. Um, my wife is a pretty successful entrepreneur here in Nashville. She owned Reed PR and, um, you know, the, the, the sheepish side of me is she was my client at one point, um, <laughs> but it, it was written in the stars. Mm. Um, and um and so our, our, our origin story is very interesting. And I'm not going to get into that today. But um, shortly before that, um, I started to find myself in the room with more influential people, uh, podcast people, uh, different, uh, let's call B-list celebrities, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and what I started to understand, especially after I went and saw some people that I really trust and and, and to help me understand what was going on, um, was where I'm at in the practice is working with people that have tentacles that spread further than just doing my one-on-one -on -one all the time. And so while I still do one-on-one -on -one readings, I love it. It's like, you know, the basis of my existence in so many ways. I've cut back on that to give more space to doing podcasts and to do, uh, you know, different things where I'm working with entrepreneurs and groups of people and that kind of stuff and workshops. And, um, and then there was this amazing epiphany that my wife had last November uh, in which we have the foundation of our new business, which is going to slowly build over time. It's called the North Node Leader um, and, uh, with that, um, her and I joining forces and working together, um, in a spiritual partnership that takes her strengths and she is an unbelievable, uh, PR, uh, entrepreneur. Let's call her an entrepreneur. She employs 16, uh, I think 16 amazing women here in Nashville. That is not by design, by the way. Uh, she would love to hire a man if they would apply. Um, <laughs> the male PR uh, people out there that are looking to move to national. Um, You're right. They but, hardly exist. Yeah. 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 I just don't, yeah it's, it's crazy. Um, I, I don't know what the number is and she'll probably get mad at me for saying this because I'm going to make this number up, but I'm feeling like it's like 50 to one or hundred to one for like applicants. <laughs> it's like, 
honestly, I remember being in the journalism world and we'd get press releases. I, you're right. I don't remember there being that many guys that would yep. send press releases. That's so fascinating. Yep. And uh, mm. uh, and so what she's interesting and ironic at the same time is that her first employee that she hired was a man. Ah. This, is, this is 10 years ago. Wow. Um, but anyway, uh, so she um, has an amazing grasp at a more let's call it spiritual without, without saying it's spiritual approach to entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. um, she's somebody that um, was raised in a way that created self-sufficiency. Um, she is learning in this lifetime how to be a mother. She's got four mm -hmm. kids now um, and two with me. Mm -hmm. Well, one with me, my, my son, my oldest 22 is uh, her stepson and they have a great relationship. They're actually going up to dinner tonight. Oh. Um, but um, she is the embodiment of what the future of entrepreneurship looks like. Um, she understands the, the data points, but also the sort of intuitive leadership qualities that's needed when we, we present and empower our, our employees to be more true to their individuality. And so she had a shakeup in her business uh, a little over a year ago and when she lost her number two. And so now she has uh, four uh, in management positions uh, that are doing a more, let's call it um, equitable work on the rest of the business. And the business has grown like a hundred percent in a year because of it. Wow. And so during COVID, um, she lost something like 40, 50, 60%. If she was here, she'd give me an exact number of her business within a week. Oh. Um, and then she had the idea to pivot to doing, um, to working with, um, nursing homes. Oh, wow. Wow. And yeah, there's a, I think there's a New York times article that was written about it. Um, because she's like, well, where's the need right now? You know, where is the need? And so she started calling. She created a COVID hotline for um, for the nursing homes. And she got her business up and had her best year yet uh, during COVID. And that's since grown from there. But um, she's has this, just this ability to, one, to be impeccable, you know, in her word. Um, to, uh, it, it's very important for her to take, uh, because three of the management position employees that she had are still in her twenties, um, and help nurture them to be the most and best versions of themselves. And she does it in her own way, which is going to work great with us collaborating together and working with entrepreneurs that maybe might be looking for the next step. You know, like Lauren has been in this business for 10 years. What is the next step for her? Is it to sell the business? Is it to sell employees? Is it to, you know, uh, create another business with her husband? And, and so it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, combination of me and the and the mind, body, spirit, because I also very much about nutrition and creating a foundation within the body that creates the patterning so that we can actually sit still <laughs> um, and uh, the mind and, you know, what we're reading, what we're regurgitating, what we're absorbing, who we're around and all of that in spirit, which is, you know, it can be astrology. It can be art. It can be surfing. It could be, you know, whatever it is, 
because, you know, again, sometimes an entrepreneur might have a little bit of a pushback when it comes to the woo-woo side of everything. And I'm fine with that. Like I'm a guy that went to the, you know, the Tennessee uh, UVA football game the other day with his kids, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I love basketball and, you know, and, and why I'm very much, you know, a, a woo-woo kind of guy, I'm very much grounded in typical dude stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so, you know, and that relatability goes a long way when you walk into an entrepreneur, or, you know, going and hanging out, you know, on Necker Island, you know, with it, forming impact and being around people that are worth, you know, whatever they're worth and mm-hmm. feeling as though that you aren't inferior to that. And nobody yeah. should feel inferior to that anyways, but it's just that, yeah. you know, sometimes when, you know, I grew up with pretty poor, you know, a thousand square foot house, um, my grandfather never made over. I think it was eight or $9,000 in a year. Wow. Um, but they had everything, hmm. uh, everything that they ever needed. Um, and they saved and they, you know, and they owned their house and, and just were great examples that I wasn't really taking on for a long time, but I am now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with what you're saying about Necker Island, I feel like anyone who goes there, who, who, They've all built businesses from a spiritual place. It doesn't have to be all woo-woo, but there's elements of spirituality. And I see it within so many people that I'm around as well, that we didn't meant, didn't meant like we didn't mean to go into spirituality, but it just came to us when we were meant to receive it. And so, like, yep. even with myself, I didn't believe in spirituality. Like I, I worked in a pharmacy when I was at, un- at university. So I was like pro-medications. My mum was a nurse. I was always mm-hmm. like, no, take this if you've got a headache, take that. Yep. But when the journey led me from within, it was like, oh, why do people need to take so-and-so medications? Why do I need to take that? Maybe I just need to rest. So it it's when you're ready to he- like hear the message. And spirituality is nothing new. Spirituality has been here before medicines, before, you know, mm-hmm. doctors and things. And I think some we've just been raised in a in a world that thinks that you know, the first thing that we need are medications. Like, and I'm, I'm not saying that medications are bad. Like we need both in this world. But yeah, I think absolutely. We need to balance it. And that was one of my journeys with my health condition was that, you know, I needed to have the scans to know that there was a problem, but also I needed the spiritual side, also the health, like you were talking about, like the nutrition side to actually heal it fully. So it's a beautiful blend, but I think it's the timing. Like a lot of people from my past life, I call them, think I've gone a bit <laughs> of it <laughs> You know, they're all like, who is she? Because I'm, I'm completely a different person now, but I'm, I'm me now. And I think before I was being somebody I wasn't, so I'm my true self. But spirituality totally. is being your true self. And I think that's what is happening now more than ever in this world is that people are making businesses and, you know, becoming entrepreneurs from a spiritual side that is more aligned with who they are and what their values are. Whereas before it was more like that dominant, aggressive kind of energy gets shit done, I, I guess. When I look yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because in some ways, you know, uh, it's, it can be important for somebody that, that gets trapped in a, a space of just for the lack of a better phrase, victimhood. Mm. Um, they might need some of those, Hey, shake yourself up, dust yeah. yourself off and get out in the world. You know, wow. sometimes people need that. Um, and it's really depending upon their chart because again, we can get trapped into the space of everything is everybody else's fault. And mm. then all of a sudden, where are we there? And I think we can all relate. To, I mean, I'm 48 years old. There's been moments when I've felt that way. Um, and, you know, when I was born, you know, and nobody can see, but I was born without a foot and I've had the four wow. fingers. And my mom was married three times before I was five. 
and there was abuse there and guns mm. and I mean, you name it growing up. And again, there's my grandparents, as I mentioned earlier, the saving grace. Um, but there's also the coping mechanisms and everything that came out of that. But what mm. never stopped out of all of that, you know, I didn't see my father for 10 years. Um, wow. The first time I remember intuitively picking up on energy, I was 14 years old and a, a young girl that I rode my bike 25 miles to see, saw my <laughs> foot, and her energy went, Foot, see you later. Oh. Um, like all these things, mm. I never was not optimistic. Mm. I was definitely affected by coping mechanisms. I was definitely affected by procrastination and certain things mm. such as that, that had been something that made me what I considered to be lazy. And I very much was. And so somebody like myself needed somebody like, I don't know if you know who Dave Goggins is. Oh, I don't know. But, but Dave Goggins is this really rugged, tough kind of, you know, ex-military <laughs> you know, African-American male that, you know, dealt with all the things that, you know, he would have dealt with and had all everything wrapped up in his reasoning on why he was 300 and some pounds at a certain point. And now he's a guy that went through hell week three times in the, uh, in the, for the Navy SEALs and mm -hmm. is pushed himself beyond the scope. He did like a hundred, hundred mile races or 10 weeks in a row. Like he's done all these crazy things. And so there's some merit to that of our preconceived notions of limitation that sometimes it takes a bit of grit um, to push ourselves out of. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm definitely an example of that. Um, while we can't always be, you know, the extreme, super hard, you know, at times we might lose faith in that. Like you came up in an upbringing that, that forced that. So a little bit too much for you. Yeah. But the good news is, is that you still have some of that or oh, yeah. you have difficulty asserting yourself out into the world and mm -hmm. putting yourself into a space of understanding your proper place and what you have to share and what you have to offer. Um, but I totally get the whole idea around, you know, the the old school, like mad men, you know, <laughs> if you watch that show, kind of kind of <laughs> like, you know, the the men have their place and the women have their place and all that <laughs> bullshit. But like. In this day and age, um, you know, because we're much less active, we're not hunter gatherers, we're not, you know, we're sitting behind computers and being sedentary. Sometimes we don't know what we're capable of until somebody like myself goes out and does a 50K, breaks his foot on mile five and finishes. You know, that I could have never done that at 35 or 40 years old um, because I just, if you want to call it intestinal fortitude or whatever it is, but I can tell you when I heard, this is a race called Yamacraw. When I heard the crowd, I was about a half a mile to a mile away from the finish line and I'm limping away. I mean, the tears oh. just, I mean, just oh. exploded out of my face, realizing that I have, I was about, I'm about to cry now, but like the accomplishment of that, um, wow. And what that meant to me in my life and all the hurdles and all the hard things and all the excuses and all the reasoning for failure. Mm. And to be able to finally do something like that was like Ooh. just liberating. And so now there's nothing because I was able to do that. And again, this isn't for everybody. This is for certain people such as myself that might have a South node square of the Venus and Virgo. And we're just, you know, <laughs> trying to get by. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was a very powerful experience for me. And I think I'm ready to do another one, to be honest. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. That's, you know, it reminds me of the hero's journey. 
that's what it reminds me of. Like it was like coming it back home. Definitely was that. Yeah. Definitely. Because look, I mean, I'm I'm already missing a foot and then to break a wow. little bone or like fracture a little bone in the inside part of my left foot on mile five or six. I was running along with a pack and I was feeling really good. And you know, I'm not really fast. And then all of a sudden I felt like Forrest Gump, like something bit me and I collapsed <laughs> and like, <laughs> my foot fell in this hole oh my and I, God. I sprained it but I mean I was just limping the whole way and like you know it's it's a long uh Yamakra is a long 50k I think it's like 33 miles and so wow. I had uh what 28 more miles to go I'm so proud of you that's just powerful you know that just shows anything is possible when we really truly believe in our power even when we're in pain and we don't even realize it but you know it's the power to know that we are powerful beyond what we know and that you know, we can achieve anything in our life if we put our mind to it. You know, there's no restrictions in life. We are the ones that hold ourselves back and hold these, like create these restrictions. And, you know, with what you're saying as well, it makes me realize with myself, like things that I thought I could never achieve, actually looking back, like, wow, that that just blows mm-hmm. me away that when we allow ourselves to just be free and be vulnerable and and, and like you said, like just take action in those moments like anything is possible like it it doesn't matter about your circumstances or your background or where you came from you can achieve anything no absolutely for sure yeah um we are coming towards the end of the show that's gone really fast by the way um I've got a few more questions for you um what are your five top tips for someone who is struggling to find their soul's purpose um this is might sound a little bit different than what you think I'm going to say, but I would say okay. stop trying, stop trying so hard. Mm. Um, you know, our soul's purpose is really guided through what we're interested in. And mm-hmm. so when we're really in distress or really like lost and what we're supposed to do, your soul is going to make you curious about something. And it might not be exactly the thing that you will eventually end up doing, but it will lead you there. Mm-hmm. And so my suggestion would be to stop trying so hard and follow your curiosity. Sounds simple, but it's very hard. Hmm. Yeah. It's that thing, isn't it? We have this fast, quick fix, like not quick fix, I think the word is rushing to the next big success. Yeah. But when you well, slow and, down. And again, this is why my basic fundamental, like everything that I rest my hat on comes from, let's just say the yin yang or the Tao or chaos and order balanced. And if you look at the, the yin yang and you'll see that there's a dot of chaos on the order side and a dot of order on the chaos side. And so whenever we're in a deep space of despair, that means there's too much chaos and we need to start bringing some order back into balance. And that's where delayed gratification comes from. And look, you've been getting your ass kicked for years, delayed gratification. You want to hear that, but I've lived it. And so I'm happy to share my stories (laughs) on, on never doing that and actually keeping delaying my path into wholeness because I kept looking for quick fixes, you know, like, mm. Oh, well, let me do day trading on the stock market. Let me like, you know, all <laughs> the different things that I thought I could be good at and was good. It was enough there to where it would dangle itself, but it definitely wasn't the, the mm. truth of my path or going into uh, real estate 
And, you know, and again, somebody might look at my chart and say, oh yeah, you can do real estate, but can do real estate and actually do what you're here to do. Not necessarily, mm. but again, in both of those places, it showed me what I wasn't supposed to do. Mm. And so there's always value in the thing that we're curious about that we go towards. But if we're always going towards these things based on fear and those fears was, oh, well, I need to value myself through money. I can make a lot of money in stock market or real estate. And thus my ex-wife will love me more. Um, <laughs> no, um, that, that, that was definitely, but again, that hard fought lesson is what I have to hold now in my mm -hmm. current relationship and knowing that in that path, no matter what I did in that space, it, the, the idea of me creating something of a facade around myself, isn't what somebody can love. They have to love the truest form of me. Mm -hmm. And that is this goofy guy that knows how to talk about things when it comes to spirituality and it seems to have impact people over the last 15 years and it seems mostly positive and i say that without ego i'm supposed to say that i've been told that because i've been so afraid of my ego in this for so long because my ego got the best of me at the very beginning mm -hmm. of my path back 2008 2009 you know basically not thinking your shit stinks because everybody's telling you how great you are <laughs> coming from the guy that you know like didn't get the girls in high school <laughs> that kind of thing you know like all of a sudden like oh what's going on here you know and and then you, it goes to your head and so there's been a slow rebuild over the last eight or nine years of how to believe in yourself and what you do even talk about it um without it coming across as arrogant or feeling like what you're saying is coming across as arrogant and so i'm unpacking my own shit that i'm dealing with right now with you right now <laughs> Okay. Um, what's the second <laughs> tip you would give about Is finding that, your soul's, um, what's your second tip you would give about find, finding your soul's purpose find a really good astrologer that focuses on the nodes mm. well they basically come to you <laughs> no i mean it doesn't have to be me um, there's a lot of uh, evolutionary astrologers out there that are really great at what they do um mm. uh the the thing about it is that you know i'm uh I'm more of a feeling astrologer. I'm not the most technical astrologer, so I'm very different. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds, the words that come out of mouth can sound technical, but if you put me in a room with other astrologers, they could run circles around my technical ability and I'm, and I'm comfortable with that. I wasn't for 10 years and that's why it took me 10 years to become an astrologer. But once I got over that and realized mm -hmm. that you know the feeling around this was more important than just being able to talk about a sesquiquadrant or whatever asteroid that's all the craze right now, um, yeah, it's not, it's not part of my language and astrology is about language. And so if an astrologer mm -hmm. is coming from the heart, even if the most technical astrologer, then they're going to have a lot to share when it comes to, uh, the potentiality. And so I like to focus on astrology that is node centric because the nodes are coming from a place of the South node is, you know, our karmic story. You know, I've been telling mm -hmm. karmic stories for 15 years and what that karmic story representative of is a past life that you could take either literally or figuratively that you've come into this lifetime to heal. Wow. And so when we understand that fundamentally, there's so much grace we can give ourselves, but most importantly, we can give to other people. Why was that person a jerk to me? Well, mm -hmm. because I needed it. <laughs> it sounds, that sounds awful. Um, 
And, but again, the self-reflection of the, you know, again, keeping balance between both sides um, Mm -hmm. so that we can take personal responsibility of our own karma too. Um, Nobody deserves to be hurt. That's not what I'm saying. That's, that's absolutely fundamentally not it. Um, And I can weed into dangerous territory and talking about this in too much gory detail. But sometimes when it comes to our spirituality and getting into the nuts and bolts of it, we have to understand why I dealt with an abusive stepfather who beat my mother when I was three and not hold anger with him, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, You know, why was I born the way that I was and then treated the way that I was growing up? Like, Mm -hmm. and that's the interesting thing about me talking about these things is that because I've experienced it, there's less of this, oh, well, you know, how, how can you understand? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I have embraced my um, life and the toughness around it. And again, I had, I don't know what I would have done without my grandparents. I probably Mm. wouldn't be talking to you, but again, to me, that's by design. Yeah. You know, I was told by a psychic in 2008, shortly after I became a professional astrologer that I was born with my hands and feet to learn sensitivity. Oh, wow. Wow. And she said that the reason for that is because in a past life, I had learned all kinds of esoteric truths and whatever. And this could all be just to make my head feel good, but, um, (laughs) but that I didn't share it. Um, I kind of just went up and Mm. became a hermit. And sometimes I want to be a hermit. I understand Um, that. And I think that I think yeah. everything happens for a reason and we, we <laughs> yeah. choose contracts like no I really get I really I'm like nodding right <laughs> like even when I think about so I was born with a kidney defect and I didn't know that I was 30 years old so my yeah. whole life didn't have a clue my mom actually worked in the kidney renal unit didn't have a clue herself which was a big shock to her it, and I used to always have pain in my right side when I like go mm-hmm. running and I, and I I, again, being that warrior energy, oh, it's just a stitch. It's just a stitch. So I kept whole, my whole life. I was in pain <laughs> without yeah. knowing, and then hit thirty, and they they, they discovered I had um, a knot at the top of my kidney. My u- urethra pipe was basically knotted my whole life, and then my kidney was smaller as well. So you know that, and that when I look now, which I've, I've reversed, thank God, um, I, I saved it. There was a reason why I needed to save it, but also I had kidney disease after, which I reversed it, thank God. But that was. And people, it might sound strange, and, and this is why what I'm saying is like I understand where you're coming from, but that was to teach me to be more connected with my emotions. That mm. was to be kinder to myself, to love myself, to surrender, to not be always in action mode or trying to run for the next thing. It was yeah. about surrendering. So my kidney, my kidney has been the biggest blessing to me, which I needed. But at the time, I didn't see it that way. That it was like my life is over. Why, you know, the victim mode. Right. Why me? You know why universe um but now i understand it. it it taught me to slow down and trust the wisdom from in and the medicine and you know be gentle with myself which again i'm guessing from another lifetime again like yourself like i wasn't kind to myself so i feel like everything happens for a reason and everything is a blessing if we're willing to see it that way right and that can you know it's it, it's it's just an interesting way of looking at the world and looking at people and looking at you know our current situation and you know, and how we define ourselves through this particular identity that we are now, and maybe sometimes forgetting how many identities that we've had before that. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, you know, doing, I don't know how many thousands of karmic stories that I've done, we've been the victim, we've been the villain, you know, we've Mm. been 
the opposite gender. We've been the opposite race. We've been so many different things that if maybe we could all start to keep that in perspective, you know, the haters and the people that feel like they're hated, um, then maybe uh, there would be less apt to hate or feel like they're hated. And yeah. um, and uh, I don't know how to change that. I don't know if we're supposed to change that. I don't know if, you know, we're you know supposed to live here to work on uh, the ability to transcend all that. That's what this plane is for. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, these are thoughts that I ponder at times when I'm feeling extra philosophical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what's your third tip for finding your soul's purpose? So we've got, oh, wow. So the first one was about surrendering and, and slowing down. The second one was about astrology and and looking at your charts. The third, would you say? I would say the third is, and again, this is, I don't want to, I'll give specifics, but embrace your creative form of Mm self-expression. Now in our societies, uh, a lot of times people, instead of grabbing that guitar or sitting down at that piano or going and typing a memoir or whatever, their first perspective is um, judgment. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that we're very curious about certain things that, and again, there's a lot of creativity out there. Um, I built a mailbox once. <laughs> that, was, that was my creative stance for the week or two it took me to do it. Um, there's people that surf. There are people that climb mountains. There are people that hike or run trails. Um, you know, my trail running was such a therapeutic thing. Um, that can be your creative form of self-expression. You know, there's just so many different ways of creating and making up your own creative form of self-expression that ignites such a different part of the brain of the soul. Uh, and it doesn't have to be good. And it just needs to be something in which that you're looking at and you're wondering if you can. Mm. It's like, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was say, it's like during COVID, a lot of people started to do gardening or they started to grow plants and vegetables that they never done in their life. And, yeah. you know, some of the, some of the tomatoes grew, some of them were rotten, but everybody was like learning. Yeah. And it was like, it was that creativity, wasn't it? You didn't know what was going to happen next. Will it grow? Will it not grow? Will it, you know, how will this taste? All those kind of things, which is connected to our senses. And, you know, another thing to do is go to a park um, that has a lot of little kids you know, that are in that four or five, six year old <laughs> age and just watch what they do mm. and try to bring some of that behavior <laughs> back to your everyday life. I know you're not going to walk up to a little kid or an adult and go, you want to be friends? <laughs> but think about how freeing that is. Yeah. You know, they're shy kids, but once they get over that shyness, they're out there running around just like all the other crazy kids, <laughs> you know, and they're in the sandbox or picking their nose. So like, whatever, like we don't care. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, a creative form of self-expression coming from a child's eyes. They don't mm. care what their art looks like. I've got a 19 month old that takes the pen out of my hand every time he gets a chance to start scribbling on paper. Like, <laughs> <Bless>. <laughs> then, he, then he runs over, he's been crawling over to the piano since he was 10 months old and pulling himself up and playing Aww. little ditties. Look at my Instagram. He's on there doing it. Oh, and so, sure. like, yeah, I mean, you know, and so we're going to cultivate that. You know, we're not going to 
tell them to stop. We're going to just let them do it. And we're not going to put them in this idea of projected prodigy because <laughs> he's doing it. <laughs> you know, like, go play. Like last night, go play the piano. You know, <laughs> go bang on it, whatever you want to do. Like, <laughs> what you want to make. Okay. So it's four more, uh, sorry, two more tips. So the fourth tip. Okay. So this is going to go into more of the biological makeup of our bodies. And it's going to be drinking lots of mineral water. Mm. Um, and eating as much bioavailable food as possible. Um, and staying away from vegetable and seed oils. Mm. And... Yeah, you know, basically getting your body into a space that is not overwhelmed by lots of unnatural things. Um, vegetable oils are processed, manufactured seed oils. They're not natural things. Um, they, 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 you know, we're told that they're healthy, um, but excess linoleic acid uh, is really the precursor and also, you know, the the biggest part of metabolic dysfunction that we have it's like the silent killer it takes a long time um and so sugar it's obviously one of those things that gets vilified um but you know if you're eating a very clean diet uh without a whole lot of excess linoleic acid then sugar is not going to be an issue especially if it's coming from fruit yeah yeah and so um lots of mineral water um, cause if you're just drinking regular water that doesn't have minerals in it, you're just going to dehydrate yourself. Mm. Um, so you need minerals. You need to, you know, the, I'm drinking mountain Valley right now here in the States, <laughs> it's out of Arkansas and it's got calcium, magnesium, and potassium. Um, and, um, it comes right out of the mountain. And, uh, and then, uh, I really stay away from, uh, the processed foods, just about everything that's out there has seed oils in it. Good luck finding things that don't have it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brad, for being the show and just, you know, coming back home to yourself and being your authentic self and helping people to really understand their charts and, and know that they can take their power back in any moment. Absolutely. Gosh, it's so fascinating learning about astrology and the power of how everything aligns with us and that everything is here to help and support us. Now, if you're stuck with where you're heading right now, do speak with Brad and see what it is in your astrological chart that is holding you back. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. Nothing happens in astrology unless it needs to happen. That's a quote by Stephen Forrest. And if you're struggling to transform trauma and want to learn how to trust yourself so you can powerfully move forward in your life, visit my website at www.girdshundle.com and book in a call with me and let's make a plan together. Take care, my sisters. Bye. For more information about the show or how to trust your inner light, visit my new coaching program at girdshundle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. lit.